Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing? I was going to say good to see you, but I can't really actually say, oh, there you are. Um, I'm really actually quite excited to be talking about this this morning. So we're doing a series on experiencing God uh, by the Holy Spirit, and uh, it's something that is, is just, it's just so alive when you start digging into this and, you, and, and uh, that whole now question, the, 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 the question, well, let, let me just say, a lot of people, when they come to God, you, you, you came to God on the part of the truth that you, that you understood, and there was probably a move of God in some way in your life that you experienced. There was probably something, in some way you felt connected with this, with this God that you had kind of believed in before or heard about or something. Uh, I'm making a generalization. Maybe it's not the same thing for you, but you, you, something about God came alive to you, Right? There was a, an experience of, of sensing something, being aware of this creator God who had invented the idea of you, and there, was this, and there was an excitement, there was an experience of getting to meet God. And then when you came into church, the church began to teach you, rightly, to that you will experience that in perfection once you die and you're in heaven with, 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 with God forever, uh, and that that'll be face-to-face, -face, you'll experience him um, nothing like it. It'll be amazing, worth waiting for. And then, then there's this time in between your salvation and heaven, the now time, where in a lot of cases, that experience of the power and the presence of God that you, that you, that you may have experienced at, at salvation and that you're promised later on is kind of not really there. It's kind of sort of shoved to the side. You're given, you know, you're taught to be moral. You're taught... Uh, Put in the spiritual disciplines. There's a way. There's a right way to live, wrong way to live. God, God wants us to love each other. You know, all, all those good things. They're right, but the power and the presence that got you in and that you're promised may not be a reality for you at that mo at, at this moment. And that's something that I don't see it in the Bible. I think really the power and the presence of God was very real part of Christian life in in for the early church. And uh, you know, as Charlie. Uh, spoke to us last week in the kickoff of this series. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, we're told that we are to drink of his spirit. We were given his spirit to drink, and we were given his spirit as a down payment or a promise of that experience of perfection in life uh, everlasting uh, once we die. Well, what kind of a down payment and a promise is it if we're not experiencing that now? And so, there's, so, we, so we want to take some time as a church and just go back and look at what should we be experiencing of God himself in a real, tangible way now? Uh, and so we've decided to look at 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 because one of the ways, it's not the only one, one of the ways that we experience God now is through the spiritual gifts. Um, and so we're, we're diving into 1 Corinthians 12 this morning, so it'll be uh, chapters 1 to 11. Don't go there yet. Uh, don't, put, don't bother putting it on the screen just yet. I wanted to just say a couple words about dealing with the epistles. When I was a kid, I thought the epistles was the, was the wife of the apostles, or, you know. Um, uh, Evan just laughing at me. Um, and no, it just means it's a letter from one of the uh, church leaders to a church dealing with stuff that they were dealing with. Um, and and uh, they're, they're kind of a peculiar way to learn things because it's kind of like, um, say, when I'm sitting on my couch next to my wife Cindy and she's talking to her, to her mom on the phone, I'm hearing her side of it and I don't know what's going on on the other side and I can try to piece things together, you know what I mean? Um, and I could be right, it could be wrong, 
but I'm only hearing half of it. And that's, that's one of the challenges in dealing with the epistles. You don't really know what they're talking about. The other challenge is that it's a, they have, they're often dealing with a specific context that was the case 2,000 years ago on the other side of the planet uh, in a completely different culture, and I don't know the history, and I don't know what's going on, um, but uh, I'm going to try to piece it together. And that's why we have scholars who look at this and, uh, and try to analyze what's going on. And, and uh, So that's just, just to be mindful. What was happening in that church at that time doesn't mean that's what's happening here now. What was happening uh, with the emphasis and the issues and the problems they had there may not be the problems that we have here now, but we can still get a lot of great information from how Paul deals with it, right? So um, uh, what we do know in this, in, in 1 Corinthians, is that it's a response to some questions that were asked of Paul in a previous letter that was sent to him. That's in 1 Corinthians 7. You can look it up at the beginning. Um, and also some stuff that Paul had heard about them from other sources, and he's bringing in some correction. So at the first, of the, the first thing he says uh, in a number of passages in, in 1 Corinthians is, now concerning the things, uh, could be the things that you wrote about, now concerning this subject. And he's bringing a correction and bringing some instruction to the church that's probably dealing with a specific situation. So... Um, uh, what we can piece together from this, and I've spent some time trying to, trying to understand what's going on, what is the big argument, and, and what, I, what I've pieced together and what, uh, with, uh, with some of the commentaries is that uh, if you work backwards from 1 first, from first Corinthians 14 to 13 to 12, what you can see is that this is a church that was very zealous for the, for the spiritual gifts and the experience of God in their midst, but really... Uh, it was very monochromatic in, the terms, in terms of using the, uh, the spiritual gifts. They knew about tongues, and that was really overemphasized in their, in their church. And Paul says something like, look, if an outsider or a non-Christian comes in and he hears all you guys just talking in tongues, he, they are going to, you know, it's completely reasonable, they're going to think you're nuts. Because all they hear is a bunch of people speaking a language that they, they don't understand, and they know you don't understand. Uh, and... And he's saying, guys, that's not the way it works. Why? Because intelligibility matters. We need to be speaking things that are uh, building up, encouraging, strengthening, edifying, comforting the body of Christ. That's what the whole purpose is. That's what we're trying to do here. Uh, and um, our context is quite different. So Paul is, Paul is telling them, you know, you guys are supposed to be functioning as a body where everybody brings something, everybody has something to say, uh, every, and everybody's got something different, right? Not everybody's speaking in tongues because not everybody speaks in tongues. And you've got, uh, you're supposed to have an eye and an ear and a nose and a foot and a hand, and they're all supposed to work together in concert. And really, right now, you guys are being like a, a bucket of tongues going blah, 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 and, and nobody's understanding. So let's, let's move away. God's got something much bigger for you to understand. Uh, and, and, that's, and, and now he's going to bring them into an understanding that the gifts of the Spirit are an expression of the love of God. How? It's supposed to be building up, encouraging, comforting the people here now. That's what, the, that's what they're all about. And that's why we've got this chapter in the middle about love. 1 Corinthians 13, you probably heard it at, uh, at weddings. Um, many of you can probably quote large chunks of it. it. Love is patient, love is kind. You know that, that chapter? It starts off with, if I speak in tongues, tongues of men and of angels, and I'm not loving, 
In fact, in other words, I'm not building you up in faith. If I, I'm not comforting you, not encouraging you. It's just a bunch of noise. And this is not to disparage tongues at all. He also builds up, he also says that, that uh, the tongues is an important part of, of your prayer with God, and there's other uses for it. It's just that he's bringing an emphasis back to where he feels it should be. And what does he do? In 1 Corinthians 12, he paints a much larger picture of how God speaks. That's not, that, that's not monochromatic. He's, he's giving a wider range of God can speak in a whole bunch of different ways. Not just speak, he also acts powerfully in the church. Uh, and what I'm going to do now, no, just I understand that this, this passage, uh, there may be even some people here already who are going, well, I don't agree with that. Um, what I want to do is, is avoid, um, well, this passage has been, or this section has been quite divisive in a lot of churches. What I'm going to do is I'm going to, we're going to read the passage, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11, and I'm going to bring out points that I think are really quite obvious from the text, and I think we can, we can unite on these, on these points that the Bible is clearly saying these, these four points that I'm going to pull out of it. I'm going to, I'm going to state them first, and then we're going to read, all right? See if there's some water in here. So, first of all, what what we're going to see is that the first emphasis from Paul is that the gifts are from the Holy Spirit. They're from God, right? Second, there's a huge variety of the gifts, and that's something that he's going to state over and over. Uh, Third, the gifts are for everyone with no exceptions. The gifts are for everyone. God wants to speak through and to everybody. For uh, they are for the good of everyone. In other words, everyone is to be receiving and being built up and encouraged and comforted through, the, through these gifts. So we got that? First, first, the gifts are from the Holy Spirit. There's a variety of gifts. They're for everyone and for, they're for building up everybody. So uh, now we can, let's read this, this, uh, this passage. And, and just first of all, we'll just take a second in prayer. God, I pray that you would teach us how you work so that we can experience you, God. Lord, I just just, am so aware of your desire to meet with your people. You love your church. Lord, you want us to know you intimately here and now. God, would you speak to us and just open up the things that we may not be seeing yet, Lord. Just open up our ears and our eyes to see you. So awaken that sense of the presence of God. Amen. So let's, uh, let's uh, if we can have that on the screen. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit of, no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. 
Now to each one, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now there is one, uh, now to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between the Spirits, and to another speaking in kinds of tongues, uh, to still another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes uh, them to each one just as he determines. Okay, now, can we see that? Can we kind of agree? A major message here is that they're all, these gifts are from the Holy Spirit. He says it like seven times. Um, there's a variety of gifts. He says that at least three times, and then he gives the variety. Uh, and they are for everyone. He says that now to each one, the manifestation he distributes them to each one. It is, uh, but in all of them and in, in everyone is the same spirit at work. Uh, they are for the common good. That's what it says in verse 7. This, the manifestation of the spirit is for the common good. That's for building up. I'm, I'm taking this from uh, chapter 14 where it says that, that prophecy is for building up, edifying. That's the, what the word means. Uh, building up, encouraging, and comforting the church. That's the purpose. So we need to stay glued to that purpose. that purpose or else we're going to... Uh, drift away from what the will of God is. So uh, it's also really important for us to understand that, uh, that this is for us. God has it for us with no exceptions. God is in you, therefore God speaks, and God has something to say to you. Uh, and it's, under, it's important for us to understand that. Why? Because you're going to be asked to pursue this in prayer. You're going to be asked to persevere in faith and believe and ask God. Anything that you have to do that for, you had better believe because it's going to, it may take some time, it may take some effort. My own experience with this is that uh, when I was 14 years old, I started asking God for the gift of tongues. My sister went to a meeting one night uh, and uh, there was a guy there who was praying for baptism and the Holy Spirit. It was a very Pentecostally sort of, sort of uh, uh, camp that we were at when I was a kid. And uh, she started speaking in tongues. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And what is that? Oh. And um, I, knew, I knew some of it. I had a personal walk with the Lord already. And I go, okay, well, um, I'm going to start praying for that. And then start praying. It didn't happen easily like it was with my sister. What's going on? And I, I kept, I would ask, you know, if we had a visiting preacher who would, who would come to our church, I would I'd ask them to pray. I'd go up up to the front, you know, this very charismatic settings that I, that I was in, uh, go up to the front asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and, and always wondering, like, what's going on here? I don't, I don't understand. And praying and persevering and asking, God, I want this. Please give this to me. And studying it and reading it. And God, please give this to me. And when I was 18, that's four years, right? Four years later, I was in a, in a church, a pe small Pentecostal church uh, in a small town in B.C., Sunday night worship session. There weren't that many people there. It was just a nice, quiet worship time. And, and, and I, was, you know, I was in worship and then singing a song, and it switched languages. And I'm like, what is going on here? And it felt weird in my mouth, and I just started talking. And, or I, started, I just kept on singing because I could sense the Holy Spirit was there. I could, you, know, I, you, know when, you know what I mean, right? When so it just, you sense the Spirit's in you. You know that, Right? Um, I'm speaking to believers, right? There, there's a sense of God being there. And, I, and I, I go, yeah, that's from God. Oh, that's what this is. This is tongues. I had no idea what, 
there was no warning. Nobody was praying for anybody. It just sort of happened. But it, it took four years of praying for this. Why? Because he wanted me to value it. Right? So, um, so let's have a look at the, the, the catalog here of the gifts that he gets into. So this is not an extensive list. It's not meant to be an extensive list. There are other lists uh, that, he, that he gives. The, the reason I can say it's not an extensive, it's not supposed to be the whole thing because his whole point is just, guys, it's not just tongues. There's other stuff too, right? So, um, so he, the way he says it, he's got some kind of overlap uh, as well. There's healing and there's miracles. Well, healing is miracle. You know, what he's trying to do is paint a picture of the rich bounty of the Holy Spirit working in his church. It's supposed to be exciting. This stuff's fun. It's exciting. You're meeting with God. This is what you signed up for. It's supposed to be a taste of heaven, right? Um, and there's this, I mean, think about it. When, what we just read there, who doesn't want that? Really? Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want the Holy Spirit moving powerfully in your church, healing people, speaking to people, giving you words of knowledge, give, encouraging you, um, comforting you through a hard time? Who doesn't want that stuff? Do we feel the Holy Spirit on <laughs> Because we're, we're going to be told twice in these chapters to desire it, right? So let's just fix our eyes on it. What is that thing that we're supposed to be desiring? This looks pretty good, doesn't it? I'd go to a church like that. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm going to just divide it up quickly into there's uh, kind of two categories of gifts here. There's, there's uh, speaking gifts and action gifts. Um, there's words of wisdom. In the, in, the, uh, in the speaking gifts, there's words of wisdom, words of knowledge, distinguishing between spirits, prophecy, tongues, interpretation. And the action gifts that he talks about is faith. Uh, that's faith for miracles. I, I'm saying that because in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, if I have faith that I can move mountains, you know. Um, so this is the, a specific kind of faith that he's talking about. Um, and uh, healing, miraculous powers. I'm not going to cover so much of that right now. All I'm going to say is these are also things that God does in the church to encourage, strengthen, and comfort uh, the, the church. And they are things that we are all supposed, also supposed to seek because of that. These are, a, these are a positive, a good manifestation of, of God being present in his church. I'm going to focus a little, a little bit more on the speaking gifts. Now, this section started off in verse 2. It says, uh, when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, right? So he's saying, God's not like that. God speaks. Um, what, uh, it's, it's, um, uh, it's covered in Joel 2 and in Acts 2 when, when Peter uh, quotes Joel 2 on the day of Pentecost, uh, he says, uh, well, he's, it's this teaching that, that when the Holy Spirit is poured out, God begins speaking through his people. When the Spirit is poured out, one of the characteristics is that God begins speaking through his people. How, how, do, I, how do I know that? Joel 2, can we just get Joel 2, 28, 29 on the screen? Okay. And afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all your people. What's going to happen? How will we know? What does it look like? Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your older men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I always figure that the old men dreaming dreams, that's because old guys sleep more. Um, where's Steph? He could probably tell me. Steph, Steph, do old men, <laughs> do older men sleep more? Uh, wait, I just realized he has a mic after me. 
Um, <laughs> so, so what does it look like when God's spirit is poured out? One of the things that he speaks in all these ways. And point two, um, it's varied. Like we saw in, 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 uh, in our main passage here, it's varied. There's dreams, visions, speaking in different languages. Um, many of you are familiar with word pictures that God gives. Uh, symbolism, symbolic actions, uh, a timely Bible verse. Somebody just, hey, I think this is a verse for you right now. And it just, or, the, the, or even in your own personal life, you're, you're praying and the scripture just jumps off the page. Or there was a song that just, the song on Sunday morning that the worship leader was praying, God, lead me for the songs that, that you want me to, you want the church to be singing this morning. And, and a word in one of the songs just goes straight into your heart. Uh, these are ways that God speaks. Um, another one, yeah, that, that, that's also straight out of 1 Corinthians 14 where he talks about hymns or singing being part of this. Uh, words of wisdom and knowledge. Words of knowledge, oh, I think we had, uh, was it Sam who was up here a while ago talking about um, uh, his church in India where there was, a, there was a, a word of knowledge that was given. I, think, I believe the situation was that there was somebody who had come into their church who was thinking about... Uh, uh, about uh, killing themselves, and 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 there was a word of knowledge from the leader of the meeting. I think it was I think it was actually Sam. I'm sorry about the details. We can have that clarified afterwards. Uh, and just it's a, a snippet fact, right? It's just a pe just a piece of fact that you couldn't have known any other way. And God gives that to you, and it and it just shows that God is there listening. And for example, in John four, Jesus tells this this Samaritan woman at a well that he's never met before. He says, "Yeah, you're you you've had five husbands, and the guy that you're with now isn't your husband." And she was blown away. Wow, he must be the Messiah, because she knows because he knows something that he has no other way of knowing. Right. So that's one of the ways that God speaks, a uh, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. That can be just the, the ability to understand what God's saying. Think, think back to the Old Testament. Daniel, um, he, was, he had a gift of wisdom. Uh, and, it, and remember, there was the writing on the wall. God spoke. He wrote this stuff that nobody could read on the wall. Mene, mene, tekel, parson, or something like that. Uh, and, it, and it was a message to the king and nobody could understand it. So they brought in this guy who had, uh, according to the queen, the spirit of the gods dwells in him. God, by his spirit, gave him the ability to understand what was going on. Uh, so there was, the, there was the message, but then there was the ability to understand it. And we still need that. We still need the ability to understand because sometimes God speaks something and it can be really tricky to understand. How about, this is, and this is really, um, I'm, going to, I'm going to another point here is, is that, if God speaks to everybody because God's in everybody, if God uh, speaks to everybody because, because he loves you and he's building you up, then that means that each one of us only gets a part, <laughs> right? Not like in the Old Testament where you could have Jeremiah writing books and books and books where it was like the whole thing and there was really one guy. Now we've got a part, a puzzle piece. And, that, and that's how it functions in the New Testament a lot of the time. You get a part of it. Uh, Peter, who's the leader of the church at the time, uh, he, he had that vision. You remember the vision where the sheet comes down out of heaven? Or he's, he's, uh, he's hungry, he's up on his roof, and he, he went into a trance, and the sheet comes down from heaven, a bunch of animals on it, and there's a voice that says, arise, kill, and eat. You know, remember that, that story? Well, he didn't understand it. 
He just got the message. He knew he had a message from God, but he didn't know what it meant until he met with Cornelius, who was another believer, and all of, the, all of his buddies, and the Holy Spirit comes on. And you go, oh, that's what this is. And it's only as a group, as the church, that we really get it all. And that's why we need to be opening our ears <laughs> to hear, what is God saying through you? What's God saying through you? What's God saying to me? And putting it together. And that's, that, and that's his game of putting the puzzle pieces together. That's awesome. And, and I also and I want to add one other, one other point here is that there's this whole um, aspect of awakening to the fact that there's somebody else in you who has an opinion, who has a voice, right? That's, isn't that an interesting part of Christian life? I'm, I'm, um, there's, a, there's a quote from uh, Jack Handy, on Saturday Night Live, I know all the real preachers, they preach, they, they, they quote N.T. Wright and C.S. Lewis. I'm quoting Saturday Night Live. Sorry about that. Uh, anybody know Jack Handy, the deep thoughts? Anyway, he says, if God is really inside us, like some people say, I sure hope he likes enchiladas because that's what he's getting, right? Um, that's not... <laughs> Really, the understanding, the biblical understanding of how it is that God, God's by, God dwells in us by his spirit, um, but there's this fact of his spirit and our spirit. Now there's two of us in there, and we may not have the same view, may not have the same opinion, may not even see politics the same way, right? He's in you. Now is the time to begin listening to that voice, tuning out your own, your own voice sometimes, and saying, what are you saying, God? What are you saying? And, and there's this whole idea of now beginning to develop discernment on your own and as a group. And, and this is something that I, I just love watching in, um, I'm, I'm new on the, uh, on the elders team with the SLT, and, it's, and there's just one thing that's been really emphasized, and it's, it's seriously, it's one of, the, one of my favorite things that I've seen in Christianity in, in my 50 years. Um, it, it's that there's a, a sense of we need everybody Everybody's got a part to play. Everybody has a puzzle piece. Nobody has a monopoly on this. Let's put it all together and what is God saying to all of us? That's how, that's how this functions. It's, it's, it's biblical. That's how it's supposed to function. God's in all of us. Um, and and uh, there was this book that, that, uh, that was recommended that I go through by uh, Ruth Haley Barton called Pursuing God's Will Together. And they talk about the importance of becoming a community of discernment and developing that sense of as I'm praying about something, how do I feel about it? If I put my own opinion aside, what do I feel that I, in discernment? And there's this whole practice that many of us just kind of skip. But no, really, God's saying, let's develop this. Let's develop that sense inside of us of, as I'm listening to God, what is he saying? And this, this discernment of spirits that's mentioned here goes along with this. It's... it's um, do, uh, in, this, in this book um, by by Ruth Haley Barton. She talks about sensing a consolation or a desolation, kind of a thumbs up, thumbs down from the spirit uh, of learning to listen to what he's saying. You know, it's kind of, some people refer to it as a, as a spiritual smell test. You know, this orange juice looks fine, but something off. You know, and you can start to, start to sense in your spirit as you're listening to God and as a group of believers, as we put that together and we can get a better picture of what God is saying to us as a group. And that's, that's valuable because that means that we're all joining in on what God's doing. So, um, and, and I'm just going to back that up with uh, Hebrews 5.14. I'll, I'll just read it for you. Uh, it speaks about mature believers who by constant use train themselves to distinguish good from evil 
Or another version says, they have their senses trained by constant practice. And that's learning to listen to that voice that's inside you. So where do we go from this? How do you, how do you develop this? Well, I'm, going to, I'm just going to suggest a couple ways uh, that we can put this into practice in, our, in, in church. One is, first of all, when you come here, let's raise our expectation level. God's here. God's in each of us. We, should, we, we, we need to have that sense of, you know, maybe God's got something to say to me this morning. And maybe, maybe God's got something to say through me this morning. And it, uh, it could be in, the, in the, the, the meeting here, or it could be in your small group. It could be just with a group of friends, a ministry team that you're on. Um, but that expectation of God has something to say, it might be through me or to me, but I'm listening on both sides. Um, and, and one way that that can happen, or just, you know, just one practical way, is that maybe if you, um, and this, you know, uh, Ryan did this with me a couple weeks ago, uh, um, just when you're, he was just praying for me, which I appreciated, you know, and he says, you know, I see God doing this in your life, and he's building this thing up. Uh, does that make sense to you? Right? And, that, and that's, that's a form of prophecy. That's a form of speaking from God for building up and saying, God's doing this thing. I encourage it. Right? And, and uh, you know, worst case scenario, he's, he's wrong. That's not what God's doing, but I know that my brother was praying for me. Right? Um, but, but why not do that? Hey, so like when you're in a small group and you're, and you're praying for somebody and, you, and, and something kind of sticks in your brain as like it just keeps on coming back and, you know, there's a Bible verse or a word picture, something maybe you understand and maybe you don't understand it. But just hey, maybe this is from God. Does this make any sense? And give it to the other person. The Holy Spirit's in them too, right? The Holy Spirit's in them too. You don't have to understand it all. God will take it and run with it. Right? So, so we don't need to have this, well, thus saith the Lord, and you're speaking as the, as the one who has all the authority, and, and, you know, we've seen this in other... This thing can go off the rails. It's gone off the rails in many ways, in, in, in many, in many um, different cultures where, you know, you've got to get a quivery voice and speak like you're above everybody else, and we don't need any of that stuff. The Holy Spirit's in you. He's in me. We're listening. What is he doing to encourage, strengthen, and comfort each other? And there may be some surprisingly uh, powerful things that he can say through you, and you had no idea. And um, uh, there's, I'm just going to, um, I'm going to mention two ways that I've seen this in the past, and maybe it'll, it'll sort of boost your own faith. Sorry. Um, at one point, uh, you know, I mentioned that, that even just singing or ministering the Spirit to other people, that's part of this. Right? Just that sense of, of, bring, of praying for somebody and, and seeing the Spirit of God come on them. Um, at one point, Cindy was, was really quite sick. She had a nasty uh, kidney infection, or, you know, and, that, and, it's, and it's scary, and, and it's no fun, and, and lying in bed. And, and I, I came uh, to, to church that Sunday, and Sister Bertha, I can't see where she is, usually back there. Anyway, Sister Bertha uh, came up to me, as she usually does, asked how the family's doing. I said, yeah, that's great, Cindy's not doing so well. Oh, I'll call her. And, and she called her up. And for 15 minutes, she just sang worship songs softly on the phone to Cindy. Atmosphere just changed, man. Like, the, the hope came back in the room, you know? Like, life, and, and I'm connected with the church, and people care, and God cares. It just, just as she's ministering the Spirit, just quietly singing worship songs in her ear. And, okay, bye, thanks. 
Yeah. So when you know the Holy Spirit, you can spread the Holy Spirit. Um, and one other way is sometimes maybe prophesying and you don't even know it, and I'm just going to share this, and just, just, just to show that God can speak whether you're trying to or not. You know, I, I was preaching a sermon once in, uh, on the South Shore. I, was in a, uh, I used to preach a lot in a church, a little French church on the South Shore in Chambly. And uh, uh, one day I was, I was preaching about, just before Christmas, about uh, the Annunciation. That's when, you know, Gabriel appears to Mary and says, you're going to have a baby in Jesus. And, and, then, and then Angel shows up to uh, Zechariah as well. It gets a very different reaction. Mary said, okay, may it be to, to me as you have said, and Zechariah, not so much. He was like, eh, I don't know. And, um, you know, you should be more like Mary and not like Zechariah and whatever. But I kept on saying there were two announcements of pregnancy. There were two of them. One, there was this one, and then there was this one. And then at the end of the sermon, I, I said, oh, and, you know, and just, just, to, just to add to this, me and Cindy, we also have an announcement of pregnancy and that, you know, I announced then that, that uh, um, well, this turned out to be our, is she here? Oh, no, she's at home today. Um, uh, Eden, Eden, uh, this was at the time of Eden. So I was like 15 years and nine months or whatever. Um, and uh, I announced that, you know, we were going to have another baby. So I thought it was a timely moment to say that. And this, <laughs> this family um, that was there, this, well, this, this, this couple, I knew them well, um, you know, you know, everybody's coming up and, you know, congratulating and, you know, slapping your arm, way to go and all that. And, and, and he, he came up and he, you know, congratulates. And, and then his wife just couldn't even look up because for 10 years they'd wanted to have a child and they were not able to. That was a very painful thing for her. She's a good friend of ours, but she couldn't, she just couldn't even look up. Oh, God, four, come on. Like, what about me? And, and, uh, and then shortly after that, they had their own announcement after 10 years of trying to have a kid and not able to. And now they had their own announcement that they're, they're, turns out their child's birthday is 11 days earlier or later than Eden's. And I was like, wait a second, let's do the math here. Turns out it was right that weekend when I was preaching that sermon about there were two announcements of pregnancy. I had no idea. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not standing up there, thus saith the Lord. Like, I don't even know what's going on. God does. God just decides to speak. Okay, Chris is up there with the mic. I'm going to speak through him for a second. And, and she felt seen by God. She felt heard all those years of prayer. You know, like... God is, God is moving in power, and you know, the, this, this is just one of those ways that God shows up in his church because he's God and because he cares. And so, so, that's, so those are some of the ways that, that, that we can expect to see God acting in church. And my point on that is let's just raise our expectation a little bit and ask him more, right? So we're going to go into a, a, a time of Q&A or just question response if you, have, if you want to have a discussion. I think a lot of people have a lot of opinions on this sort of stuff, so feel free to voice your, your, your opinion. You don't agree with me on something, that's fine. Um, uh, we, can, we can discuss that, and we'll, I'm just going to pray, and we'll head into this if you have something to, a question or, or a concern you'd like to bring up. So, Lord, I pray that you would open us up to hear from you. God, I pray that you would open us to be, uh, open us up to be aware of what you're doing and when and how, and God, just tune our senses to you, Lord. 
tune our senses, and we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to, be, to, to speak to us, to teach us, to train us, to know you intimately on a one-on-one -on -one basis and as a church, Lord, that we'd be open to your Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Chris. Um, so just to let you guys know, because Chris brought up a number of things that... Uh, Conversations that were really just beginning. There's so much more to say. Uh, Chris spoke about the concept of the gift of prophecy. We're going to have at least one whole uh, Sunday where we talk extensively about that in the coming weeks. Uh, Chris also talked about the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. That might be something that you don't even know what we're talking about. Uh, also, in the coming weeks, we're going to have one Sunday dedicated to speaking extensively about that, the different views, the different purposes of the gift of tongues, and um, just what the scriptures have to say about all of that. Um, Chris, I like your sweater, by the way. Uh, we do have a, a question in the text line, as always, if anyone has thoughts. Uh, here in the room, just raise your hand, and we have a roving mic running around somewhere. Um, and and the, the text line is up there. Uh, but we did get a question on the text line that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you. Hold on, my application just opened up. Here it is. Um, Chris, how can I tell um, if I, it, how can I tell what I experienced, if what I experienced is the filling of the Holy Spirit or my own emotion? Or if a dream I have is from God or from my own, or it's my own. Yeah, that's that's really the that's really where this whole thing um, starts. Where you where it's there's a process. Like I, I quoted uh, Hebrews five, fourteen that says that there's a, a there's a process of training. To to sense where you begin to be able to, with practice, you begin to able to, to be able to separate out what's your voice. What's the voice of God? And the, and the voice of God may be something completely different than what you were thinking. Um, and this is where it, it's, I, I really try to frame this in the context of church where we don't have ourselves and our own, we're not left to our own devices. Um, like I say, we're, we get a part of the truth, right? And, and I'm not sure if they're speaking of something that's just for their own life because I think I think that's a little bit of a different conversation. Um, this is specifically what's happening in the church. Uh, but uh, as you're as you're asking God to speak to you, you know what is the context and what is the overall message? First of all, does it does it meet with Scripture? Does, does it is there wisdom in it? Is there something in it that uh, that uh, seems otherly? That seems like it comes from God and not from you? Right? There's, um, when God speaks, God is speaking. Right? So there's, there's a, it can be a still small voice, but there's something in there that is, that is otherly. So there's, there's processes that you can do. You can put it down for a little while, see if it keeps on coming back to you. You can be speaking to other believers. Um, you speak, if, you're, if you're married, speak to your spouse. Is, is this something that comes up? If it's for another person, like I said, why not just give it to them? 
Say, hey, I'm getting this as I'm, as I'm thinking about you, as I'm praying for you. Uh, does it make sense to you? Because you may have got a snippet that they need, but you don't understand it, and they don't understand until you put the two together. So there's this process of just opening your mouth and talking about it with, with, uh, with other believers, the people who are in your life. Um, it, it, it does depend on the context. If, if it's really for the church, if somebody else in the church, we are free as believers to go talk to them. I'm, 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 I'm sensing this when I'm praying about you. Does it make sense? It's a great way to start that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I, when you were speaking, I thought of, you know, if I'm having a conversation with anyone, uh, with my wife or child, and they say something, and I'm not really sure what they mean, I will naturally say, are you trying to say this? You know, um, that's part of conversation. That's part of relationship. And our relationship with God is just that. It's supposed to be a, a walking together relationship. So if you feel like God perhaps has said something to you or perhaps has given you a, have given you a dream and you're not really sure, I think it's, it could be the Lord kind of just leading you to seek him in that. Lord, are you saying this to me? Or I had this dream. I, I don't totally know what it means. And I think it's okay to be in that place of, I had this, I thought, you know, this impression was, was put upon me or I had this dream. It, it's okay to be in this place of, I'm not really sure what that means. And don't feel like, you have to have this conclusion on the matter because sometimes, uh, like Chris talked about, kind of a word might be spoken and then later you understand what that means. I'm tempted to go into stories where, you know, I've had a dream and I woke up thinking that was something. Um, don't know what it means, <laughs> but it sure felt like something. And then later something happens where I can say, Ah, now I understand. Um, where it's kind of like a Mary was spoken to by the prophet Simeon, was it? I should know this because I just preached on it, I feel like. And, and what it says is Mary heard the word given to her and she, she stored it up in her heart. And so sometimes it's, it's okay to do that, but you should also be seeking God and and asking, what are you saying to me? We're leaning in, leaning in and, and you're trying to discern that okay and you and you keep and you just hold it it'll either get weaker or stronger that's right i mean god is is a um he knows how to make himself clear um, he knows how to speak totally clear and so you don't have to worry that that you're not going to get it right instead just keep seeking him in that regard um Okay, here's something else. Chris mentioned in the sermon that prophecy is for building up, edifying, and encouraging. The Old Testament prophets seem often to tear down and condemn. <laughs> That's correct. Uh, is there any time post-Christ where it's appropriate to point out sin privately and rebuke it? Well, certainly can. It, there's uh, building up uh, does not necessarily always mean a nice comforting word. I'm thinking of Agabus, uh, the prophet 
who told Paul that um, if you go to Jerusalem, uh, you remember the, the thing with the belt? He took the belt and he, and he, and he bound his hands with it and he, and he goes, the owner of this belt when it, it will be bound by the Jews. Remember that? It was, it, was a, it was a warning that when you go, this is what's going to happen to you. And, and then the people misunderstood that and felt that that was a word uh, to them saying that, or to, to Paul saying, don't go. It wasn't. It was, this is going to get tough on you. <laughs> it was just, it, it, they're not always sweet, kind, gentle words. But the purpose is always edifying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, as, as you were talking, I remember a very, uh, a time in my life where I had, a little background on myself, I have never really been part of a church that would have been considered Pentecostal or charismatic, but I, I've had friends throughout the years who, um, who operated and, and thought more in this way. And uh, before we started our first church, I was so anxious about so many things going wrong as we started to walk down this path. And I saw one of my friends and, and met with some of his friends, and they all prayed over my wife and I. And the things that they said, they, they spoke words of what would be considered uh, prophecy over us. And the things that they said, I'll, I'll never forget. And they've been things that I think about um, Quite a bit from time to time. But I remember I was so worried and I remember someone was praying over me and they said, I see a bee and it's going to sting you. Um, but it's going to heal. And there was actually a huge amount of comfort there in the sense of like, you're worried about a lot of things and some of those things are going to go wrong. <laughs> but it's going to be okay. God's going to be with you. And it um, doesn't exactly answer the question as far as like um, sometimes, the, sometimes the prophets of the Old Testament cut down. Um, I think it is important to look at the New Testament verse that says um, the one who prophesies, and this is speaking of the New Testament spiritual gift of prophecy, the one who prophesies speaks to one's comfort and encouragement. Now, is that, is that extensive? As in, is that passage saying everything someone with a New Testament gift of prophecy can do, I'm not totally sure. But I think it's a general rule. And I think that if someone um, has what they say is a word from God and it's not comforting and encouraging and perhaps more of like a teardown, I'll tell you this, I'm going to view it with suspicion. Doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to cast it out and forget it, but it's going to be something that is going to be viewed with suspicion because it doesn't seem to be the way the New Testament gift of prophecy usually works. There is a difference between the Old Testament prophet and the New Testament gift of prophecy. Namely, the Old Testament prophet was infallible in that sense. When, the Old when, when, when Isaiah or Jeremiah spoke, you don't test it. With New Testament prophecy, you're told to test it. Does this line up with scripture? Does this line up with other things God seems to be doing and saying in my life? Um, is it one of the ways that I would test New Testament prophecy is, is this leading to comfort and encouragement? Because that does seem to be one of the purposes. So, um, so I would just add to that. There's all, there are times when there's different kinds of prophecy, such as, I think it was the daughter, two daughters of Philip, did I get that right? Or daughters of Stephen? I can't remember the name. It, it was... It was uh, there were 
we were told that they were, uh, they prophesy. We don't know exactly what they say, but I believe it's them or was it, uh, it might, no, it was Agabus, again, who, who prophesied that there would be a famine. Well, that's not, that's not built, that's not a prophecy that's meant for encouraging the church. They're, they're, it will if you handle it properly, but the, the subject of the prophecy was just a fact that there was going to be a famine. Um, there's, but what I would say is this, to be careful with corrective words, especially as you're stepping out into this. You may just be telling somebody, you know, stop doing this because it's your pet peeve about them. Because you, we, there's this step, of, there's this process of, of getting good at sensing what the Lord is saying and parsing it out from your own thing. And what I would say is this, learn to hear the correction from the Lord about your, your own life. Because it's one of the things he does do. He speaks to you through your conscience. He speaks to you saying, go this way and not that way. I'd like you to change this. And you need to repent about this and go apologize to that person. Oh, yeah, sorry. I feel like I'm especially blinded today, so hands in the air. <laughs> I, forgive me if your hand's been in the air. <laughs> not, uh, sorry about that. Not a, not a question so much as a comment. Um, the God of love in the New Testament is equally the God of love in the Old Testament. And I find all the, all the uh, destructive, negative prophecies that are to be found in the Old Testament were all couched in the love of God. I think of the words of Ezekiel, uh, uh, asking, why don't you return to me and live and find life? I think of the prophet Hosea, who portrayed metaphorically the nation of Israel as a prostitute, and yet he still took her as his own. So it's, it's more the warnings of you're, you're going down the wrong path, the path that leads to destruction, return to me, constantly appealing. And I think, I think we, we tend to lose sight of the fact that the, the destructive warnings that were issued by the prophets of the Old Testament were warnings that they would return. They would take the exit off this highway and find life because God is equally loving. It says even in Hebrews that God disciplines those he loves, right? So love has many faces and sometimes they're not, they might not feel good, but it's still nevertheless loving, right? Yeah, and, and nevertheless uh, can, can lead to comfort and encouragement in that way. The, just so you know, the questions are like flowing in. I have lots of text messages. As we kind of suspected, this series, uh, I knew, brings a lot of questions. Perhaps the series is going to be longer than I initially forecasted to be. So I apologize in advance if we don't get to your, to your question. Um, here's a question I, I do want to ask. Though. Uh, this is a question that says, what... Oh, oh, yeah, 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 perfect. Okay, over there. Yeah, th there you go. <laughs> I don't really have a question. It's just something that I want to share. It's on my heart, and I feel like I have to. Um, we talk about the Holy Spirit filling, filling us, and at the time, I didn't know really what the Holy Spirit was. But my mom had passed away very suddenly, and I was in the hospital, and I prayed over her because there was no pastor, there was no priest, there was nobody. And I didn't even know that I could do that. Um, but I did. And I know that the Holy Spirit was inside of me, giving me the courage to express that in front of my family. And then, of course, uh, the next day, I just kept sharing about God. And when I walked in, it was a Wednesday. So that following Sunday, the Sunday that I came back to church, everything that I had prayed for her in Ephesians was up on that screen. 
So I knew that I was meant to pray for her that day. And I knew that God was comforting me and letting me know that he heard my prayers and my mom was with him. So it was a big, big comfort. So it's just something I wanted to share about the Holy Spirit. Thank you for that. Um, you know, instead of a, uh, we're a bit actually over our time. Uh, uh, if you haven't gotten gone to get your children yet, now would be a good time to do it. Uh, something that I would like to kind of say in a sense of um, a big point that I want you to hear as we talk about these different gifts is that God very much is to be experienced. And there's a number of ways that can take place. But as we seek God, um, we're seeking that. Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to be used by you. Um, I want to I know that you're here and know that you are working in my life and in the life of the church. That's a good desire. Um, yes, yes, we have faith of the things that God is going to do in the future. And we have faith, like Chris said, uh, of, you know, we're going to go to heaven and our bodies are going to be raised. But in the now time, um, the Spirit was given to us. Um, and, and it's been given to us, he's been given to us for us to drink, to drink together. Um, and, and that's an exciting thing that I think during this series we're going we're gonna to experience more of. All right. Uh, thanks for sharing that story, too. It's just it's awesome to see how God comforts and, uh, and encourages you in your faith and then everybody else as we're hearing you. Yeah. Um, Father God, <laughs> something that, that I'm cut off. That was not. <laughs> okay. Something that you're going to find out as you, you lean into God in this way is that he has, a whole, he has a sense of humor. I'm not kidding. He has a sense of humor, and he has a way of, you know, there's moments where it's kind of like unclear, like I'm not really sure if God is speaking, and then all of a sudden you have a moment where you're just like, ah, I see what you did there. Um, he has a sense of humor. We were made in his image. And uh, uh, Father God, I pray that we can drink of you and even more together and individually discover um, how awesome you are and how wonderful it is to have a real relationship with you. Um, and I just ask that through the Holy Spirit and through this series and through you working through our conversations or our sermons, our, our worship, Lord, we would just that, we would experience you, God. Um, we ask this in your name. Amen.